Good morning, boomerangatangs, and all you sunshiny people. Did y'all have a good week? Yeah. Good. We are going to do the class. I am not teaching the class. Pastor Brian is teaching the class. We're going to finish up um, how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and just kind of do a wrap-up on that because that is a powerful topic um, and one that is often attacked because... The enemy likes to attack something that is a strong weapon against him. So be thinking. If you have any questions, just go ahead and get those ready. Um, Pastor Brian may answer them during the class. But if you have questions, don't hesitate to ask because this is such a powerful topic. And God gave it to us to be a tool for us and a weapon against the enemy. So it is definitely something that we want to Get, kind of get an understanding of, you know, um, the Bible clearly tells us that destruction comes from just having a lack of wisdom. So we need to understand this. So let's, I'm going to open up in prayer. Um, Pastor Brian will be here in just a second to start this. And um, again, just write down any questions that you have so that after the class, if they haven't already been answered, you can make sure to get those answered. So, Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for the beauty of this day. We thank you that we live in a country where we can still come and worship you anytime we want to. We thank you for the ability to come in here and hear your word and be taught and get understanding so that we can go about our lives successful, constantly being led to triumph by your word and your truth. And so, Lord, we just thank you for opening up our hearts and our minds to receive from you today. We thank you for the blessing and the wisdom that you have put on Pastor Brian to deliver this message, to deliver this teaching, and to help us to gain that knowledge. And Lord, we just praise you for it. We thank you that we get the opportunity to be a blessing and a weapon for you, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving us that wisdom that leads us to triumph. Thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet. And Father, we just come today hungry, ready to receive from you, hungry for your word and hungry to grow closer and closer to you. And so we just say, Lord, fill us up. This is your day. This is your ministry. And we want you a part of this service. So we invite you in and just say, come be with us, Lord. Fill us up with your truth and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Am I on? Uh, how about now? Oh, there we go. Good. Good morning. I, uh. I can barely hear it. Uh, now I can hear it. Okay, amen. So how you doing? Good, good. I'm running. <laughs> it has been quite a week and uh, quite a weekend. So uh, I am glad. I appreciate you being here with us today. And we've been talking in this class about discipleship. And I have, haven't actually done one of these classes in a while by myself. Uh, but I'm looking, I was looking forward to it this morning. Uh, and we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is how to receive the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about praying in tongues. And uh, I just want to say uh, that anytime you have questions about anything, if it's not handled in this class, you just you know, reach out and ask that question. Uh, because that's part of what we're here for, is to help answer those questions. So 
Um, and I know, I think last week we talked about, you asked a question, Rachel, about praying in the Spirit. And we answered it somewhat, but I think there was more to it, and I'd be happy to you know, answer those kind of questions at any time. So um, let's, let me just get into this. We're going to talk today about how to receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 10.1 says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. This was a military rank, probably a captain over a regiment. Verse 2 continues, A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. He was righteous, he did things that were right, feared God, gave much money to people in need, and the Bible says he prayed to God always. But we're going to find out, and it will be amazing, he did things right, even though he feared God and had a prayer life, he didn't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now that's kind of eye-opening in itself, because I think that a lot of people that go to church uh, without proper judgment of themselves and proper, you know, weighing themselves in proper scales according to God's eyes, I think that a lot of people could be in that position. They have a prayer life, they go to church, they try to do things right, they give to people, and yet they still really don't know Jesus because it's such a a deep heart issue. And we're actually going to be talking about some of that this morning in the the, uh, worship service. So it says in verse 3, through six, he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of, of the day, about three o'clock in the afternoon, an angel of God coming into him and saying, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid. What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms, or your giving, his giving, are come up for a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. This righteous as far as doing things that were right and had a prayer life before God was sent an angel who told him to send for Simon Peter who would tell him what he must do. We see in Acts 10.43 exactly what Peter was instructed to tell him. To give him all the prophets witness that through his name, through the name of the Lord Jesus, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Isn't this amazing? This man who had all these things to his credit didn't have a personal relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. God said, the things you're doing are great, they're wonderful, and they are a memorial before me, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I've sent down an angel to tell you uh, to send for a man named Peter, and he will tell you what you must do. In Acts 10.43, when Peter went to Cornelius' house, he said, Whosoever believeth in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ, shall receive the remission of sins. Now, I I just want to throw in here at this point, too, that also one of the things is here's this man that really doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and yet while he's talking and sending an angel to talk to Cornelius, he's also sending an angel to talk to Peter, telling him, go to Cornelius's house. And he sent Peter. Uh, so that's really interesting because God loves us, 
And his mercy is looking to extend out to us in these areas. And if we will just humble... See, what did Cornelius have? He might not have had a relationship. And this goes for us whether we have a relationship or not. And this is what we're talking about on Wednesday nights. He might not have had a relationship, but he had humility towards God. And what does it say? What have we been talking about? When there's humility, there's a grace that's greater than your needs. There's a grace that's greater than your problems that's given. So I love that. It's not really on topic here, but it's a good point for us to remember. What brought the angel? His humility and submission towards God. Now look what happened here. While Peter yet spoke these words talking about that he needed to receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Acts 10.44 Cornelius was receiving as he heard of faith in Christ, and he put his faith in Christ for the remission of sins. As soon as he did, the Holy Spirit fell upon him, and all those that were in that house. It says in verse 45, And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on, <coughs> excuse me, on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. How did they know that? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So at this point, they were thinking that the Holy Spirit's only going to fall on the Jews. And then here's this group of Gentiles, and when the Holy Spirit fell, this was proof to them that they were now chosen and kept and alive through Christ in the, in the Lord. The Gentiles, the not chosen people. So this was, the Holy Spirit came, this proved to them that they were now children of God. Proved to the Jews that these Gentiles were children of God. So what this shows us is that in receiving the Holy Spirit, this is something that doesn't just happen on anybody. It's something that you need to be born again for it to happen. But once you're born again, it is immediately available for every believer. Amen? Every time the Holy Spirit falls on an individual in the New Testament, a gift of the Holy Spirit manifests and gives evidence that they had received the infilling of the Spirit. In the New Testament, they usually spoke in tongues or prophesied. I would go on to say there's a whole list of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And any of those can be witnesses that you're filled with the Spirit. But every person does have their own personal and private prayer language uh, praying in the spirit this is not just a gift this is something every spirit filled believer has and man is it powerful because it helps you to pray out stuff you don't know about and you know what there's a whole lot we don't know about <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff that we're still figuring out and we need all of God's help that we can have that's why praying in the spirit is so powerful that's why the devil fights it so much alright I got down on my knees one evening uh, got down on my knees one evening in a field in Dallas, Texas, and said, God, I don't know about all this speaking in tongues and the baptism in the Holy Spirit that people are talking about, but if there's a way I can praise you, a way I can magnify you, a way I can go beyond my human English language, I want it. What, what are we seeing right here? Humility and submission to the Holy Spirit, no matter if they understand it or not. That's what you're seeing. And what's given in that moment? Grace. 
In this case, it's grace through the Holy Spirit. So he said, I started worshiping God. And as I did, the Holy Spirit gave me a language, an utterance that I had, had not known or learned. The Bible says in Acts 2.4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who was speaking? They did. Who gave the utterance? The Holy Spirit. So what that means is when you're praying in the Spirit, what happens is that flows up out of your spirit and he gives you what to say. I would, uh, to make it in the simplest terms, he gives you syllable for syllable, okay? One syllable at a time, sometimes it's more as you grow in it, you learn to receive even more. But at the very least, it's syllable at a time. It, it's almost like uh, it feels like you're coming up and here comes this uh, flood. And, and right here is where your brain, <laughs> uh, if, you can, if you can imagine this in spiritual terms, right here, right before you get ready to uh, speak it, is where your fleshly brain, the fleshly side of your brain goes, <clears throat> like that, and puts the clamps on it a lot of times because of what people have been taught, and they have a problem with that. But if they will, here's the thing. When you were actually getting born again, right, when you were getting born again, were you saved and did you know Christ when you confessed him as Lord, or did it happen after you confessed him as Lord? Everybody's quiet. All right. So it's a pretty instantaneous thing, but in terms of seconds and milliseconds, you actually confessed, you, you believed, and took action on something that you didn't have yet. Okay? So when you're praying in the Spirit, you're actually stepping out in faith to say those words above what your fleshly mind is saying. It's, it's a move of the Spirit, and it's a move of, of faith. And when you open your mouth, the, the Holy Spirit gives you the utterance. Your job is to put your mouth on that utterance, to put action on what he's given you, to make a step of faith and speak those syllables. And that's how you can start praying in the Spirit. So now, and sometimes they'll just overflow you, and sometimes you'll have to do it on purpose, you know, and it, it's like that all the time. Sometimes I can just be walking and talking and doing my, you know, daily stuff, and all of a sudden I find that I'm just overflowing, praying in the Spirit, and then sometimes uh, I'm sitting there, and the last thing I want to do is get holy and pray in the Spirit, and that's the time I need to pray in the Spirit more than anything else, and I have to make myself, I have to say, body, you are going to line up, you are going to submit to the will of God, submit to the Spirit of God, because I'm over my body, my body's not over me. Amen. So Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? In other words, he also goes on in that same passage to say that in that, in that passage he says this. He says, if you ask for an a egg, am I going to give you a stone? If you ask for something, a fish or something like that, uh, am I going to give you a scorpion, right? Or if, that's it. If you ask for a loaf of bread, am I going to give you a stone, right? So in other words, what he's saying to you is when you ask for the Holy Spirit, 
Basically, I'm not going to let that get counterfeited by something that is contrary to the Holy Spirit or some uh, spirit that is demonic. God is saying, if you ask me, I'm going to make sure that you get what you're asking for. And my love demands that. That's why he pointed that out. So a lot of people have fear that they will you know, uh, get out of line or blaspheme the Holy Spirit or they'll receive a spirit that's not of God. And so, I just, and so they don't want to give over control. But what they actually have is the spirit of fear that actually is not of God stopping them from moving into God. So what's actually happening in that fear is exactly what they're saying they don't want. Does that make sense? He says, all you have to do right now is ask, believe that you receive, yield yourself to God, begin to worship the Lord, and he will give you an utterance to worship and praise him in a language that you never learned. Now, one thing that I want to tell you is that uh, I've seen people, in my opinion, uh, never in the Word does it say that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled. It doesn't say that. But what it does say is that pretty much everybody that we see that got filled with the Spirit did pray in other tongues. And so we know that this is something that's available to all Spirit-filled believers, and you have the ability. But here's what they didn't have at the time of the writing of the Old Testament. They didn't have 2,000 years worth of the devil trying to combat it. Okay, and so at this point, they had no, there was no logical reason for them to stop, no preaching that they've heard against that, and so there weren't these clamps and these checks against that. Today, we have that, and so I deal with people all the time where, man, the Holy Spirit fills them up, but they have a hard time praying in the Spirit, and then they think, well, if I'm not praying in the Spirit, I'm not filled. Well, it doesn't necessarily say that. We don't want to put words in God's mouth, but it does tell us and shows us the example that if you are filled with, filled with the Spirit, you have the ability to pray in the Spirit, but you may have something that's clamping down on that, some teaching. It may be from your childhood, something that's in you you don't even know that's in you. And so as we just go in the Word, well, guess what happens when we continue in the Word? We know the truth, and if we continue in the truth, what happens? It sets us free. So all we do is we just keep examining some of the parts of the word and making sure that we have those covered. Now, on the, um, one of the things that I do want to point out is, this is interesting, is uh, a lot of times one of the arguments about being filled with the Spirit is, is it separate from salvation? Is it a separate instance, right? So... The separate instance, we actually see there's another place in Acts where it says, hey, we are baptized with the baptism of John, and uh, he was calling them brothers, and yet they hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit yet. So it, there was two different instances in that moment. Uh, the disciples in the upper room, when Jesus came and he breathed on them, he said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Well, that was that life-giving glass of water, but then he baptized them, completely dunked and immersed them in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, two different times. Also, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, be filled with the Spirit. 
Okay, it says be filled, and it actually means uh, in English, the best way to interpret that is be being filled with the Spirit, a continuous, ongoing infilling of the Spirit every single day. Mr. Randall and I were talking the other day, and he said every morning I get up and say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. It should be a every day, all day. You know, you should constantly be seeking the Lord to overflow you with rivers of living water of his Holy Spirit. But here's the question. He was telling them as a commandment to be filled, to start the process and don't stop. Who was he talking to in Ephesians? Was he talking to unbelievers or was he talking to believers? He was talking to believers. He was talking to the church. And he was telling them, get filled. All right? So that should tell us something. They might have already had salvation, but they might not have already been filled. And they needed to make that a priority and not just make it a priority once, but an ongoing, everyday life kind of feeling. So I'm going to go over these questions real quick and uh, describe some of the terms that the Bible uses for salvation. So here's some of them. Being born again in John 3.3, 3, uh, conversion, Acts 3.19, believing and being baptized, Mark 16.16, 16, having been forgiven in Colossians 2.13, having received the Spirit of Christ in Romans 8.9, and eternal life in Matthew 25.46. These are some of the terms that they use for salvation. I didn't realize you were putting scriptures up. You were, she was, did she do good? <laughs> I, look, I look back there and her eyes were like this. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kind of went through some of those fast. Amen. <laughs> All right. Read Acts 11.15. How does this verse describe the experience of the baptism with the Holy Spirit? As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. So how does this verse describe the experience of the baptism with the Holy Spirit? as the Holy Spirit falling on someone. So this is a little different than all of the salvation terms, isn't it? You see that? Number three, Jesus' disciples received the Holy Spirit in John 20, 22, but a few days later were actually baptized with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, 1 through 4. Look and compare these facts. So let's look at John 20, 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what is this? This is the seal of the Holy Spirit sealing them in salvation, okay? This is, uh, imagine, dry and thirsty and dying in the desert. This is the glass of water that gives you life, okay? Then you go over into Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Again, did you see where it rested on them? See and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So in John 20, 22, the disciples received the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, 1 through 4, the various disciples were then filled with the Holy Spirit, which is an inward and outward immersion. Okay, So if you can imagine the uh, cup 
of water in the desert to save you, and this is like you are being immersed in an oasis in the middle of the desert. This is covering every piece of you and overflowing out of you. It's, the Bible is describing two different types of things, and it's important to recognize that because one of the main ways that the devil comes against the baptism is he tells people that you are a havoc because you were filled when you got born again. I just, you know, so you want to watch that because it's not actually uh, what the Bible says. So uh, let's look at uh, Acts 1.8 as well. Is that in there? Awesome. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. So what's the purpose of the baptism? The purpose of the baptism is to empower you to be witnesses for Christ. And let me, let me point this out. It's not to empower you to build your ministry. That will happen as you witness for Christ. Okay? It's empowering you to be his witnesses and to build his kingdom, not your witness and your kingdom. A lot of times we've messed that up in the church because we've made our church the only church. It's not the way it is. All right, so Acts 1.8, what was the purpose of the baptism? Uh, I think I covered that. All right, so re read Acts 2.38 and 39. Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So repent means what? To turn? Yep. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And then let's also read here uh, 1 Corinthians 1, seven, And it says, So that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, is the baptism with the Holy Spirit for us today. Yep, yep. See, this is written to the Corinthians well after the apostles had already received it because there's a doctrine out there uh, that, helped, that works against being filled that says these things ceased. All right, so this is written to the church. Ephesians was written to the church, and it was talking about being filled with the Spirit to every believer. It was for every believer, not just a few, okay? That doctrine is called cessation theology. All right, yes, the gifts of the Holy Spirit will cease at the second coming of Christ, but not until then, because it says when that which is perfect is come, right, then these things will be done away with, because we won't know in part anymore, we'll know him as he is. So that's when they cease, when he has come. Read Luke eleven thirteen. If you have not received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, what should you do? What does Luke eleven thirteen say to do for those who ask him, right? So if you need it, just ask him. It's simple. Every day. You just, every, every time you think about it and make yourself think about it, right? Don't just, don't just depend on your flesh to remind you because it won't. Every time you think about it, every day, you say, Lord... I just ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. And I just praise you for it. All right, and last, Acts 2, 4. 
It says this in Acts 2.4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Do you see the two players in this game? One is you, one is the Holy Spirit, and you see the two parts. What's the Holy Spirit's part? To give the utterance. What's your part? To speak it. So in other words, if we sit there and we don't open our mouth on what he's bringing up to us, then we're actually being unsubmissive and disobedient. Our job is to open our mouth on those syllables that he's given us, and that's what the word shows us. Now, um, I was going to say something, and I forgot what it was. So basically, if you're getting filled with the Spirit, it's just a matter of saying, Lord, fill me. I ask you to. And do we need it? How many people... What? How many people, when you were getting filled with the Spirit, did all of a sudden you felt like somebody turned the heat up and every sort of pressure and thought in your life was like, I don't know if I want to do that. How many felt the pressure uh, when you did that? Right? Yep. I've not really met anybody that that didn't happen to in today's arena. And you want to take a gander why? Yeah. Because, man, if the devil can fear you out of doing that, he has kept you uh, away from the power that Jesus wanted to get to you to be his witnesses. In other words, he wants to stop you from being a witness, and you need to see him as the bully that he is. And what he will do is he will try to give your flesh every reason to fight against what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He will, he will try to stop it. He will try to come against it. He will do anything to keep you from recognizing and moving in that power. Because he knows that is the power uh, to bring the witnesses to the world. He knows that that's the power in the Holy Spirit to get you to actually start sanctifying your life. That's the power to bring you peace. That's the power to bring you wisdom. That's the power to bring you comfort. That's the power to be your counselor. All the reasons for the Holy Spirit. He knows that in the Holy Spirit, that is how we are directly connected with God. And if he can keep that away from you, he's done a great thing on his side. And we got to see that and say, well, if that's what he's doing, absolutely. You know, if we see something that the devil's doing, that kind of tells us what we should do. It kind of shows us the other side and what's right, you see. So we have to make sure that we say, all right, I'm not letting my flesh influence me. I'm not letting the devil influence me. I will submit and be obedient to the things of God and allow that grace that he has ready for me to be poured out without any restriction, without any flow. Amen? Amen. So let's right now, let's just bow our head and let's just, just you, not me, but just you and the Lord. Because it says that Jesus is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. God is the giver and he's got a gift for you. So you right now, just ask the Lord, just in your humility of heart, Lord, fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. I ask you to fill me, to overflow me, to bring overflow into my life, not just for me, but for my family, for my work, for my neighbors, for everybody that's around me. And just ask. And don't, 
You know, let, let me just throw this out there while you're sitting there right now. Just continue to listen to me. Don't just think it. Open your mouth and ask it. There's a power when we learn to actually open our mouth. Ask it. Lord, I ask you to fill me. And I thank you for it. Lord, we praise you that this is not just a today thing. This is an all-the-time, everyday thing. Lord, let us continually be filled with your Holy Spirit. Let us be strengthened with all your might to do the things that you've called us to do. We praise you. and We love you. And Lord, we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If anybody uh, ever does have any questions today or otherwise, you just feel free to ask. And uh, 